Hello and good evening. It is Sunday evening, it's open Sunday evening and my name's Tom Clark. This is the Golf Monthly Clubhouse, uh, our weekly podcast. Uh, you join me in Royal Troon in a house which is not owned by Golf Monthly but we've had it for the week with three other uh, quite tired team members who are all sipping on um, fizzy amber nectar uh, and toasting an incredible open championship at Royal Troon. I have with me Nick Bonfield. Hello. Still got loads of energy left. Crikey, that's <laughs> the loudest you've spoken all week. <laughs> Uh, and woken me up, which is good. Uh, and uh, we also have Jake O'Reilly. Hello, Jake. Hello, I'm still hanging in here. Yes, yes, good. Uh, you only turn up Wednesday, you should be hanging. I know, but I want to be a bit more reserved than Nigel's That's, very enthusiastic that would not be, That wouldn't be hard. And also David Taylor. Hello. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, see, that's nice. See, me, me and David, we're, nice the, you know, we're just nice and calm. It's because you've got the comfy seats on the sofa. We have. So if, if I can just paint the picture where we are at... Uh, Nick and Jake are sitting on two wooden seats. Me and David have are sitting on a lovely, comfy sofa. Age has taken uh, precedent here. Exactly, exactly, as as it should do. Uh, and as I said, we have just witnessed. It is what is time? Is it? It is ten to ten on Sunday evening, and we've just witnessed an incredible day's golf. One that I think we will all remember. And it's um, it's ended a really cracking week here in Troon. Henrik Stenson has won the Open Championship, if you didn't know, uh, by three shots from Phil Mickelson. And the two of them were, how many shots clear the field? 10? Maybe 11. Yep, third place, JB Holmes, 11, six under par. 11 shots clear the field. Quite ridiculous. So Stenson was 14 shots clear. Third place. That's, that's the first of what can I describe as a lot of stats we're going to have tonight. Um, who wants to talk about what happened today? Yeah, <laughs> Nick, uh, absolutely. Why not? Uh, Anything, uh, Nick. I just want to. I just just an overview of of what we actually saw today. How good was Henry Stenson's? Well, I think his round for me is the best round I've ever seen of golf. Uh, I'd probably put it alongside. Well, and Mickelson's wasn't far behind. Yeah. Actually, I'd probably put. Stenson won Mickelson 2 and Wai Yang in the final round of the 2009 PGA 3. How, how's Wai Yang got a mention? Let's not talk about Wai Yang. Yes, please no. don't. I mean, no. Go, go um, again. Restart. I, Come on. That's my top three. But anyway, I think it was a. I know he made two birdies, but he made ten, sorry, two bogeys. He made 10 birdies, shot 63. Stenson. Stenson. In the final round of the Open Championship on a tricky golf course with Phil Mickelson, a man who'd won five majors and finished runner up 10 times, breathing down his neck. And I think that almost helped him in a way because he had to stay aggressive because he knew that Mickelson wasn't going to back off and he did it in style, didn't he? Um, especially after coming out with a bogey on the opening hole, responding mm. with three birdies, I think that was crucial for him to, to really get the momentum flowing. And from then on, it was just a brilliant display of ball, ball striking and one of the best putting performances I think we've seen for a long time. Yeah, well, I think, I think you've, you've covered a lot there. Um, I've never seen, well, I, when I was sitting next, I was sitting next to Dave in the media centre, every time any of them hit the green, it's like, oh, well, they'll make that. They'll make that putt, they'll make that putt. But the difference was that they were making them, but the rest of the field was still struggling, even though the conditions w weren't dissimilar for a lot of them in the, in the afternoon. Uh, what do you think is, Jake? Um, I think they have more on the line, for one. So um, they obviously... Um, so, you know, some some of the guys down the field, if they finished in um, 
you know, sort of tied 22nd or tied, you know, tied 23rd didn't really make much difference to them. Whereas obviously at the top of the board, every single shot is um, sort of fought for um, and so important, so crucial. Um, so, I mean, Stenson... But wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that usually then, in a, if it doesn't matter because... It doesn't matter maybe as much because they're lower down the field. That's usually where the low rounds come from. There's usually one or two people who the yeah, pressure pr- the pressure pressure's off. You know, they're just going to go out and play. But when the, pr- the pressure couldn't have been more on, especially no, Stenson. Um, yeah, I mean, well, and Stenson did three putt twice, don't forget. Um, I mean, he holed a couple of absolute monsters, and I think that was the difference in the end because just when Phil sort of had a sniff... Um, you know, Stenson piled in a forty footer and that's just must have been like a train hit in Mickelson. Um, you know, he sort of he thinks he's got a sniff of getting back into a share of the lead and then he's suddenly two or three behind and um that was a story a few times on the back nine when Stenson really sort of lit up. He he made sort of bundles of, you know, birdies sort of coming down the last four or five holes. Probably should have had another one on seventeen that he actually missed that would have been for a sixty two to um break that elusive barrier in a major. Um so uh, you know, I think I th- I don't think there's a magic putting um, thing that either of them had over the rest of the field, but I just think that they were just in a zone today, the, the pair of them. I said they're responding to the occasion, and it helped that they were putting on mm. pretty flat greens. So once you got the pace of them, but once you, if, you, if you hold a couple of putts early on on greens like that, then they're the kind of greens that you look at a 20, 30 footer and think, yeah. I've got a good chance of this going in. And, and those two guys just responded well to the pressure, and I think that really pushed them forward. I think the, qu- the question I have for you then, David, mm. is Henry Sets has just turned 40. Which is older than you, David, isn't it? It yeah. is. Yeah. To clear Jake, up the mis- yeah, Jake, on the yeah, last podcast. on the last podcast, yeah. So Henry says he's forty is older than David. That means he's <laughs> less than forty. Um, he hasn't. Why, why has he not won before? And do you think how many do you think he's going to win? Do you think this is going to if he's going to go berserk here? And, and well, win? I was uh, I was in, lucky enough to be in his press conference after yeah, after the tournament when he came in with his trophy, and he just he seemed to suggest that you know he was confident going into this week. He's, found form, he won in Germany, and things just clicked for him. And he came to the week almost certain in himself that he was going to do well and challenge, and he thought win. Mm. And I don't know whether this is a change of mindset for Henrik, and um, I mean, I don't think he can be accused of being a choker in the past, but perhaps when he's been in good positions, hasn't quite, or he's been up against someone who's really, you know. Yeah, I think that's the first time he's, um been in the final group of a major, I believe. The only other time that he was ever properly in a contention for it was at the 2013 US PGA. 14 at Valhalla. Was that, is that yeah, when he Rory won. won? When Rory won. Yeah, so 2014. Ah. So Rory then, so I think Rory had been miles ahead and Rory came back to them. So this I think was in the lead for about a hole. Then Rory hit that three with about 400 million yards to an inch. I don't know if you remember that. I do. It's uh, but so, so I think the point there, what I'm trying to say, is that he's never really properly contended. So I think one of my, one of my friends was WhatsApping me on our, our, my friend's WhatsApp group. And he was going, oh, Stenson's going to choke. Stenson's going to choke. He's, he's always going to choke. One time that I know that he has led a major, a major tournament, and I don't mean a major, a major tournament, was at Sawgrass. Uh, I don't know how many years ago now. Four, six, six or seven? Seven or eight. And he mm-hmm. went away from the field. He absolutely blitzed it. So, why why is he not won one before? Why is he not won? How is this his first major? Well, I mean, we say that about so many, you know, very good, perhaps if not great players, because they haven't won a major. Um, if you look at the names who haven't won majors, it's they they don't give these things away. So, I mean, to get to forty, I mean, still, 
hits it very a long way. He still contends. Um, he's still a very fit guy. I just think um, perhaps this was you know this was his career was building to this. Yeah, there's um, some other times he's been outdone as well. Don't forget um, at a few years ago he was a runner up to Phil actually, mm. so it was the other way around, and that was you know Phil came through the pack with an incredible round that day. Mm-hmm. So there have there have been moments when he's been just sort of pipped to the post, yeah. um, and also don't forget as well that Stenson has had a bit of a um, a streaky career. He's had quite a few slumps, um, sort of one. In, few, he's had a few yeah, injuries, career, hasn't he? A few injuries. Yeah. So I do think that, um, yeah, perhaps some of those sort of factors play into it as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, what were the key moments of this round? So I want, if you can, possible, if anyone can remember, it's all a bit of a blur to me at the moment. Uh, one moment from from each each of you. So Nick, you're not going to go first because you always go first. So Jake's going to go first. I'll have to put Jake on the spot there. Um, okay, the biggest moment for me um, of the match was on the green of the par four, I want to say 15th, I believe. Um, basically, it was very tight at the time. I think Stenson had just birdied the hole before and gone one into the, the lead. Uh, both players find the green on the hardest, I think it was the second hardest yeah. hole on Ridiculously the course this hard week. Hole. Ridiculously hard hole this um, week. Stenson is on the fringe, has got about 45 feet across the green and just it didn't look anywhere else. I was sat about 15 feet behind him on one of the banks um, and it didn't look anywhere else the whole way. Hit the back of the cup, he gave it the old massive fist pump. Um, Mickelson nearly made his but didn't crucially and that gave him a two shot lead with you know, three to play or four to play. Four to play. Um, three to play. And for me, that was the moment when the whole the whole tournament up until then, or the, certainly the Sunday, had been within a stroke of each other. Yeah. That was the first time there was a two shot cushion, um, and he obviously made the most of that. Cool. Okay. I, that's that's a very good point, David. I think uh, the key for me was how he reacted to to bogeying the first. You know, he came in with one shot lead. Then within moments, it was switched around and he was one behind. And, you know, we just talked about a guy who hasn't won a major at 40. That's where the doubts can creep in. But no, he came back with three birdies on the trot. And it was just phenomenal to see. Those were the two holes I saw of that match today, uh, two and three. And, you know, what a performance. Yeah. And a lot lot of times people say, oh, the first hole, the, the final round is very important for the leaders. They need to settle themselves down. Uh, we've had it in the past when people have bogeyed it and they've gone oh and they just look like they're going to lose it straight away doesn't it so no he did, he really didn't seem to didn't it didn't seem affect, to if anything it, it fired him up a bit sometimes it? it can go the other way can't it yeah spur you into action I mean a lot of the 59 rounds that have been have actually started with an early bogey and yeah. really basically forced the guys into yeah waking up a little bit yeah so Nick and your your key moment probably 16 because Mickelson was behind Stenson off the tee and he hit brilliant, brilliant, I think three wood in there to about 12 feet. And then Stenson tugged his approach way left. So there was a situation where Henrik was in a pretty nasty lie over there on the left-hand side of the green. So there feasibly could have been a two-shot swing there with Mickelson holding his eagle part and Stenson not getting up and down for a birdie. And somehow Phil's putt didn't go in. And much like the 62 effort on the Thursday, mm. somehow it just twisted away at the last minute and it looked in all the way. And then Stenson produced a brilliant chip, holds a gutsy five-footer and then maintains that gap. And I think that was crucial going into the last two holes. Not that he needed it with the way he hit his iron shot into 17 yeah. and his approach into 18. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, um, uh, for, for me, um, I'm just going to mention two things because, you know, I'm... You can. I can, kind of, can't I? So, the first thing I wanted to mention was his round on, I know I said the key moments of the round, but his round on Saturday, 
which is, although it was a 68, I think, it was the hardest conditions I think those two had to play in the whole tournament. And I think that was the lowest round. Joint low round of the joint day. Joint low yeah. round of the day. That, in, in really pretty tough conditions. Mickelson shot a 70 in the same round. And it was that two-shot swing, I think, from going, you know, suddenly getting his, his, his uh, head just in front of Mickelson that um, at the start it really in the end did help him get over the line I think so there that and also I just mentioned about 18 he's so ni- mm. we were saying is that you know it only takes it was two shots it only takes a bogey and a birdie and you would have put you know we would put money on Mickelson getting it close although he, I know he didn't birdie in the end his three woods he he's through 307 yards just short of that green of the fairway bunker if he'd gone in the bunker then that's probably a drop shot so those were the key moments I think think that everything just seemed to go well oh no after that he then hit a lovely uh, shot in and then of course that putt so um, it was I think if he did get a little bit of luck there I think it was it was well deserved okay so moving on I've, we've already mentioned him a lot of times but oh, I think we should talk about Phil Mickelson what a performance by how old is he 46. He's forty-six. He would have been. He would have been the oldest winner. The oldest winner of the Open since old Tom Morris, which his name gives it away. That he yeah, was he was old. quite old. Yes. And year, eighteen something or other. Off the top of your head, he's got your head. He says but, looking at uh, a bit of paper. Bit of paper. <laughs> Pat's come back to me. I will do. I will do. But Mickelson now he has five majors. Five majors. He has ten runners-up. It made you yeah. all your stats. He now he's equal now, now with, 11. with Arnold Palmer. No, equal now with Arnold Palmer um, and nine behind Jack for yeah. finishing second. Right. But you don't. He's not one of those. Oh well, I really want to catch someone who's no. finished. No. no, he is also one of those people who, on any given day, if they're on, in form, they are probably one of the most entertaining golfers still on the planet. What do we think about Mickelson? Is this going to help him? Are people going to look back at this? Remember it, I mean, or is it going to be? I think this may be remembered more than some of his majors, yeah. major wins, perhaps. Well, I mean, one thing I hope that doesn't get forgotten in all this uh, was his round on Thursday, which mm-hmm. was, you know, he was millimeters away from the record in major history, and it was just a phenomenal performance, wasn't it? I mean, every hole you could feel the atmosphere building as he went around the course, mm. and people thought he had a chance of doing it, and he just kept on getting birdie after birdie. And then on 18, I mean, you could see him walk off. He looked absolutely devastated and he, he sounded it afterwards. But uh, but that set him up just magnificently mm. for the whole week. And I mean, that was one of the highlights of the week for me, for sure. Yeah, it this way. He almost shot 62 in round one, shot a bogey free 65 in the final group of round four and still didn't win. I think that says... <laughs> All we need to know about Stenson's performance. Yeah, but look, let's not talk about Stenson. You've, you've moved on to Stenson again. Yeah, let's move away yeah, from Stenson. Yeah, I just want to concentrate on Mickelson. I bet he yeah. is obviously he's forty six. He, he 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 doesn't look like he's going away anywhere. I know he hasn't had his best season ever. Certainly better but, than last year though. He's mm. he seems to have found some renewed enthusiasm. Not that it's ever really waned. And this is a man who's playing through arthritis. Who first won? He, I think he won his first PGA Tour event as an amateur in nineteen ninety one. And that's one of the great reasons. stats. Nick. Well, that's keep, one of the reasons going, why it's keep. so popular is that that enthusiasm and passion for the game has never waned. And also, long, it's longevity as well. That's so impressive. He now get, goes to the gym a number of times a week and has really dedicated himself to getting his body in shape. Mm. He doesn't eat certain foods because he's still so committed to playing at the highest level. 
and this for me just cements his legendary status. I mean, 11 run-up finishes in majors, five championships, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. And, and I feel really sorry for him because coming out today, he must have thought if he shot 67, he had, had a really good chance of winning. He shot 65 and ended up finishing three shots behind. Yeah, it was, it was a remarkable day, wasn't it? Um, also, I think it will guarantee that we will see him at the Ryder Cup um, at the end of September, start of October. And I always think that he is a, a key part to any uh, American Ryder Cup team. He seems to get along with a lot of the players. Uh, I think the American team are going to be very uh, have quite a few rookies this time and be quite young. And I think he, if he's there and he's playing well, then he could uh, form a couple of good partnerships and really be the glue that holds them together. I am quite worried about the Ryder Cup from a European perspective, yeah. even though we've obviously got Henrik Stenson, so he could just take them all on. He plays like that again. It's shaping up nicely, isn't it? Both teams are ridiculously strong on paper. Yeah with loads of a great mix of experience and youth coming through so I think it's going to be a fascinating contest yeah so we've kind of touched on a few uh, other things the records that were broken today were without doubt I can't remember a day like it, it yeah it was uh, I mean I was sitting there next to you Tom and uh, yeah about halfway through the rounds putting together a bit of a stats piece about the week and uh, what you know some standout figures that kind of thing and then just hole after hole, suddenly we realised these records were, had the chance of tumbling and suddenly I was inundated with possible facts and figures and things that were, pretty, you know, lowest scores here, lowest rounds there and it was just a, a great day, absolutely loved watching yeah, it. Yeah, so the, I think the main ones that happened were the lowest score for a major, is that right? 2-6... 2-6-4. 2-6-4. Breaking, I think someone was two six. David five. Toms in two thousand one. David yeah. Toms, the uh, the highest under. If that makes sense, is, that, is this a sentence which makes Most sense? Most under par. Most under par. It, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> he was tw- 20, was he, 20, out, twenty under par. Equals Jason Day last year. Uh, that's, see, that's annoying, isn't it? I thought that was oh, that'd be a really old one. Oh no, it was last year. So twenty under par. Uh, first Scandinavian to win a major championship. Um, what other ones? Mickelson's was the lowest runner-up score at the Open. Uh, and one stat which uh, jumped out was Mickelson is now, I think, third and joint fourth on the lowest totals in major history, and he lost both of those majors. So he finished second to David Toms in 2001 at the PGA, and second today, uh, but two phenomenal scores. My, my favourite pointless stat, somewhat of, the, of that day, is the the the, the, combi- the combined score of the two guys. So they were playing in a better ball competition, which I know many of our listeners probably do at their clubs. Um, you know, it would have been a fifty nine. So fifty nine better ball. That's a pretty good knock um, yeah. as, a, as a two ball. Yeah, in the final round of a major. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nick, so, yeah. we haven't had a stat from you. Have you sated yourself out early on in the podcast? Well, I thought I'd leave it to Dave as the man who wrote the stats piece earlier on today. Yeah, I seem to have outstated you today. Disappointing there. Join the stats. So. I can give you another quick stat as well that I was quite impressed with. Um, Henrik Stenson, over the course of the tournament, was in the top five of every important category. So he was fifth in uh, driving. Um, he was in fairways hit, that is. He was uh, first in greens in regulation, which is probably what won him the tournament. And he was tied fourth... Um, Putts. He had 110 putts for the week, which was one behind. I think Steve Stricker had 109 um, leading that category. And I think um, to give you a bit of perspective, I think Rory had 117, 
Um, so sort of, so he's, he putted very well as well. Mm. So top five in all the stats. That's always going to you know put you in good stead for a tournament. Good stats. Good stats. Excellent stats. We've you just touched on Roy McIlroy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of the field, there were some other golfers playing today. Um, it was like they were playing a different tournament, and if that they were playing a different tournament, that tournament would have been won by JB Holmes, who played very well. Um, didn't <laughs> feature. He won't feature in many uh, headlines though. Um, other big people, you know, people I think we need to mention maybe Rory McIlroy finished top five again at a major. He's finished top. Where did he finish? Fifth. Tied fifth. Does it constantly, doesn't Alongside he? Sergio yes. Garcia. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were shaking your head like oh, he didn't no, finish no, no, fifth. No, yeah. So he finished it every week. He manages to finish top ten. Um, that, never mind how you know how well he seems to play. He just seems to get it out the bag. I followed Rory around for a few holes, and he was um, he was really shooting the lights out of it early doors, but really came on stuck around the turn, which a lot of the golfers did, except for Stenson and Mickelson, who seemed to birdie them. Um, other guys, who else? Who else is it? Can I very quickly mention um, friend of. Friend, not really a friend of mine at all, but um, I, I had the pleasure of caddying for Tyrrell Hatton uh, around this time last year mm-hmm. uh, in the British Masters, and he finished tied fifth alongside Rory and Sergio. And a great stat I saw of his, that he only had 10 birdies all week, and he finished in the top five. Um, there's players down the board, uh, most notably uh, Greg Chalmers, who had 11 birdies this week, and he finished um, literally the last man of the guys that made the cut. So mm-hmm. he finished... 81st. Yeah, so you're saying that Tyrrell was very, very consistent. Yeah, so he shot... Managed to keep himself out of trouble. Yeah, so Hatton shot four four under and he only had um, ten birdies. I think he's someone we're going to really have to look at for Lynx tournaments as well Mm. now because he had a very good Scottish Open as well. I haven't checked the updated rankings. And Irish Open. I reckon he's going to be a Ryder Cup shout as well because a top two at the Scottish Open, a top... Um, you know, top five at the Open. He's got a massively jumped. I don't up think the list. European team can have twenty players, but we. It would, be, it would be nice many, though because there's a lot, of, lot of very good. Be, I would think still be a little way off, mm. uh, forty his way onto the European points list, but yeah. not a million miles away. So a good be, month yeah. now, good month in August. Yeah. So I think another guy who uh, I think has taken a lot of um, interest on in social media, especially, was Andrew Johnson. So, Nick, what did you think of uh, Andrew Johnson and how he was interacting with the crowd? Yeah, I think it's great. I think whenever anyone shows a bit of personality, it builds a bit of an affinity with the crowd. I think we see it with Andy Sullivan, don't we? He's a guy who walks down the fairways, chatting to people, waving at people, smiling at people. And I think naturally that builds a bond. And and it also gives the crowd a lot of pleasure to see someone really enjoying what they're doing because it is a privilege at the end of the day to be playing golf for, for a living. Uh, especially nowadays with so many similar people coming off the post-college production line, particularly in the States, who, who don't really give a lot away, quite stoic. It's nice to see a guy who's just happy-go-lucky kind of chap, smiling his way down the fairway and enjoying himself, but it's underpinned by real talent, isn't it? I mean, he's we he won earlier this season, mm. he looks like he's here to stay and yeah. played very well again today. Um, so great to see and welcome more characters like that on tour, for sure. Absolutely, that's no, good. Um, we're going to now just move away from us in the house at Royal Train and... Uh, move over to a interview that uh, two other colleagues at Golf Monthly uh, recorded earlier this week about Troon and that's uh, Neil Tappen and Fergus Bissett so the next voices you will hear will not be ours but will be Neil's I believe. Right you join me with podcast debutant 
Fergus Bissett. Fergus, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Neil. Um, now, we have just returned to the Golf Monthly House, which is approximately a 500-yard walk from the 18th green. Um, we're pretty handily located this year. After spending um, the day out on the course at Troon, first, my first real look at Troon as a golf course, actually, uh, Fergus, you played it in the build-up to um, to the tournament. Now, when you're listening to this, obviously you will know who's won the Open, exactly how it's all unfolded. But what we want to do is really talk about how uh, the Open ranks amongst the majors, how Troon ranks amongst the Open golf courses, and kind of talk about some of those those aspects, those bigger picture aspects to the Open Championship. So, f- firstly, Fergus, you, you've played a lot of the, the big uh, um, Open Championship golf courses that... Um, that many people will know well. Yeah. Where does Troon rank? Well, it's an interesting one because I would say that I hadn't played it until um, earlier this year. And uh, by reputation, I had always thought that it was perhaps one of the uh, the weaker of the, of the open courses. Um, but having played it, I definitely don't think that's the case. I think it's an exceptional test of golf. Um, the back nine in particular, which uh, you'll see on the TV this week, is, is brutally difficult if the wind is against. Um, the, the natural lie of the land is wonderful. It's got really great terrain. Um, it's, it's in good condition. It is always in good condition from, from what I hear. Um, and it really is, I think, um, one of the best tests of golf in, in this country, up there close to Carnoustie, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting to say because it... Um, it has had, I don't know whether you would describe it as having stick. I don't think it's having stick for being flat. But no. it is, it, you know, you, when you look across the, the landscape, it's very flat. But it, I'd say it's actually quite like somewhere like Royal um, Sankports on the Kent coast. Yeah, it's definitely got a feel of that. It looks flat from the, the clubhouse. But as soon as you get out there, especially if the sun's out, you can see the shadows. Yeah. Actually, what you see is there's an awful lot of um, some low-level undulation on the golf course itself. There's some fairly yeah. significant undulations, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were out today and we were walking around the turn around between sort of seven and 11 and actually you're up and down almost the whole way, aren't you? And, and you know, the, 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 the sort of fall off areas off some of the greens are, are fairly, um, fairly severe, you know, to the side of the 10th where we saw uh, James Heath playing some shots. And yeah, it was, it was James Heath that we were following. We were following today. him. We were walking around His with him. His brother is a friend of ours. So we, yeah, we were lucky enough to be able to um, just walked the golf course with them while he was preparing for the for the championship. And yeah, I mean, just he was he was practicing some shots off the side of the, the right hand side of the tenth, and really, you know, he was 10, 12 feet below the level of the hole. You know, it's difficult to probably get a feel for that on the TV, in fact. But uh, but yeah, as you say, the the undulations are, are much more significant than than you, you would immediately think. Um, and I think one of the great things about the, the the sort of perceived flatness of the course is something we were talking about out there is. It, it just seems like the sky is enormous, doesn't it? Because, oh, it does, yeah. Because wherever you look, you're just looking out across this sort of, well, seemingly flat lynx land at this expansive, um, dramatic sky. And I think that hopefully will come across this week. And, and if we get some some broken weather, even some dramatic weather, we could see some, oh, some great shots. You, you certainly see the weather coming from quite a long way Yeah, off. you can see it coming over from Aaron, can't um, you? So for those people who, I don't know, I'm sure many of you listening to this will have been to big golf tournaments, been to Open Championships, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who haven't been to an Open Championship. How is somewhere like Troon different this week to how it would be the other 300 oh, how many yeah. days a year that people might be able to go? How is it? 
how do the RNA dress a golf course? Right. Just the open it's, golf it's course. immeasurably different. I mean, if you come and, and, and are lucky enough to play tune without any of the um, the stands or the um, pavilions up, it, it's a completely different feel. Um, and and you know those those elements really make the um, the golf tournament what it is. As, as you walk around and you see these. Um, these stands dotted about and the, and the beer tents and the hospitality areas. It just, it creates an atmosphere, doesn't it? It really makes um, you feel like something significant is happening. And that's right because this is uh, one of Britain's great sport events and, and the RNA want to, uh, to make sure that that's the case. And by but also the golf course itself, it's just, it, it's almost like it's been given its best tuxedo. Yeah. It's been fitted for the perfect tux. Yeah. It's like all of the closely mown areas are just Perfect. Well, when, when you're out there, when we were sort of actually st strolling along the fairways themselves, you really get a feel for how sort of billiard table smooth everything is. It's yeah. just, it's not like when you go and play golf, uh, even at a, a top level course, it's not the same as that. It's really absolutely uh, the most immaculate finish you yeah. can imagine. And interestingly, it's often there's this perception that Lynx golf is a little bit less manicured than inland golf. But yeah. I think if you go and see an open venue, what you actually see, especially when you take a look at the, the bunkers with the with the riveting that goes on in the face and, and the way in which, for instance, when there's a water hazard, how the grass is cut towards the wall, it is manicured really, really well, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's just perfectly presented. I mean, the you know, the greenkeeping team at Troon with guidance from the RNA, you know, they're they're absolutely at the top of their game and they've 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 done a marvellous job and it, it it just looks absolutely wonderful you just want to play don't you you do well absolutely although to be honest with you there was so yeah. <laughs> we, we, we walked James through the the turn and when we got to 11 I certainly didn't want to hit that tee shot no oh my goodness 11 is just the most intimidating tee shot you could possibly imagine you've got the a sea of gorse in front of you and seemingly no fairway no um, it, it does exist but it doesn't look like it <laughs> you just well, I, mean, I think he was just trying to smash it towards the scoreboard. He actually hit, a, yeah, he actually hit a very good tee shot in the end, but it didn't. I mean, until you get there, you don't know. You don't know for sure. You just send it off into the <laughs> unknown and cross your fingers and say a little prayer. So I, I think, think all this begs a, a pretty good question, which is why doesn't Troon get the Open more often? So it's been twelve mm. years since it it had it last. Before that, it was ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. So it seems to be a, an Open <coughs> venue that's used, but used sporadically, sparingly. But sparingly. then. Yeah, I mean, perhaps that's a you know a conscious decision by the the RNA. That but why? Well, because it well for a start they've got currently well nine now I guess <laughs> courses on the open route to substitute substitute Rollport Rush for for Muirfield. So um, in order to give each course their 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 sort of fair share, uh, then it will inevitably only be once every ten years uh, anyway. Even if they were to get it on uh, sort of a turnabout basis, and if you throw into the mix that St Andrews gets every five years, um, six this time because it will be 2021 for the 150th, and that's you know that's a, a, one of the key reasons. They also, I think, want to sort of split between England and Scotland as much as they can, um, so it just won't come here quite as frequently um, as uh, as as we would like it to. I think because I think it's going to be a great test, but it's just you know it's fair for for all the open venues to get their it, it is. fair go at it. Um, and uh, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is about this future open venues. So we know that twenty seventeen will be at Robert Dale. Robert Dale, yeah. Twenty eighteen will be at Carnegie Stew. Twenty nineteen is going to be at Port Rush. And then it gets a little bit less clear, although we're fairly yeah. sure it'll be 2020 will be St. George's, although the RNA haven't announced that. And then 2021 will be St. Andrew's because yeah. 
it will be the 150th playing of the um, of the of Open the Championship. Championship. So, yeah. so, and they wanted to, to have an English course in 2020. So whilst they haven't announced that St George's is, is on the list, I'm fairly confident I'd be surprised, shocked. Yeah, I would have thought so, given it hasn't been, well, yeah, so it'd be nine years since uh, 2011, so yeah. Which of those stands out for you? Well, for me, it's it's Carnoustie. I think is the greatest test of golf. And oh, punchy comment, that. I think it is. I think that's, that's just what I feel. I mean, it's uh, it's not the most aesthetically uh, beautiful surroundings at, at Carnoustie, but the course itself is just um, as good as it gets. And we were talking today, when, when we were considering the 11th, um, that we just mentioned at, at Troon and we were saying this is one of the great championship holes and we yeah. discussed um, some of the other courses and w- which sort of great holes you would take from, e- from each and when we came to Carnoustie there were quite a number that we felt would, would, would were in the reckoning. Would make it, yeah, you've um, got Hogan's Alley, you've got, you've got uh, 18, finish, 17, 18. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's just a number of seriously good demanding holes, the 14th of the Spectacles, it's, you know, the, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, great layout. But no, having said that, I d- I've been so impressed with Troon, both when I had the chance to play it um, last month and just walking around the last couple of days and just really getting a feel for, for what it, it demands of the players. And you can see that they really are going to have to be sharp. You know, it's, they're going to have, their ball striking on that back nine is going to have to be um, absolutely top level because anything that just gets up in the breeze or is just caught um, on a side wind is going to be away and cause all sorts of trouble yeah. because there's plenty of plenty of trouble out there yeah well and you will have well not you because you can't look into the future but the people Mm -hmm. listening to this will have seen how good that ball striking um from the leading players will will have been i hope it is a dramatic uh end to the episode looking forward to uh, future venues the one that stands out for me is port rush i've been to port rush maybe four or five times actually i've got a good friend who's a member there um so i played there a couple of times and um it's Brutally hard, Port is Rush, it? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I, I, I've never played it. Uh, it's 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 spectacular to look at and brutally hard, and you just got the feeling that the fans in Ireland and Northern Ireland in particular are just going to come out and support the video. Uh, well, it's going to be the will, biggest. Yeah. I was reading the other day. It's going to be the biggest ever sporting event, live sporting event in Northern Ireland. And that's fan- yeah, going to be fantastic. Um, and you, you just get the feeling that. Um, on a local level, it's going to be embraced, and if it is embraced, then it will translate across the sort of international divide. I, th- I think it'll be embraced on yeah on a national and international level because it, it's you know such a new a new thing, and it, it, we we saw at the, the Irish Open when it was hosted there just how well supported and successful that was. So I would imagine it's going to be a winner, no, yeah. no question. And um, and final question, simple: Why is the Open Championship so special? Well, I mean, you know, you can start with the history. It's, uh, it's been played 144 times, well now, as you listen to this, 145 times. Um, every great of the, of the game has, has played in it, has, uh, you know, the names on that claret jug are, are go down in, in history. It's a, it's a fantastically uh, important historical golf event. Um, but apart from that, it's the, it, as I said earlier, it's, a, it's an institution, it's a British sporting in, institution. And it's um, it, it's something that we, we all come out to support, and you can see that with the number of fans that are here this week. It's on a links course. It's unique. It draws the best players from all over the world, um, and it's it's loved by the players as well. I think that's something that makes it so special. They all seriously enjoy the test of the links, and it finds invariably a very very good champion. And I think that's one of the key things. 
it um, it, it sorts the wheat from the chaff. Well, we'll see. That could those well, could be very prophetic true. words. Or let's hope that's true. Prophetic or pathetic, depending well, on who wins it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would say that it's probably the purest test of the majors as well, because it, uh, we were, as we walked around this afternoon, there wasn't a huge breeze out there, but every shot you hit, the the direction of the wind dictates how you mm. need to play the shot. So if you're looking to get the ball anywhere near the pin, you know, you can't hit a draw into that flag, otherwise you're going to lose control, or you have to hold it against the wind, yeah. or you need to hit a draw to just uh, stop it from going into it, but whatever it might it be. It asks very definite questions, yeah, doesn't it? It says, you really, if you really want to win this, yeah. you need to be able to stand there and hit that type it, it of shot, and then you play. need to hit a different type of shot. You need to be able to play a, a great variety of shots as well, isn't it? You know, sometimes, um, even Augusta really, it's it, it's it's a bit more one-dimensional. It's still a fantastic test, but it's it doesn't perhaps ask the variety of questions that an open course will and it will almost always do. And the weather will, of course, play a big factor, play a big part in that. Well, Fergus, thank you for joining me. No worries. Um, and I'm going to hand back to the lads in the media centre after the Open has finished. Thank you. Neil and Fergus for that fantastic insight as ever I'll get a, a slap from them when I, they next see me um, slight tones of sarcasm a little bit, <laughs> only a little bit only a little bit um, so going back now to our chat a couple of things this year's open is it one of the best ever can anyone remember it just looking back on what happened in it nearly a 62 in the round one nearly a 62 in round four um, the weather which affected so many people um, what, what do people think? Uh, I think it has to go down as, as one of the greats just purely I mean often we talk about one great performance and that was the defining moment of a major but this will be remembered as two great performances I know Stenson came out on top and it was phenomenal stuff but Phil won't get forgotten, I don't think, in all this. So, um, for that reason, I think it definitely does go down as one of one of the better opens. Yeah. Definitely. So, so I mean, there's obviously parallels with the Jewel in the Sun, yeah, which was '77 when none of us were born. But we've seen an awful lot of highlights here. Were, were you born? I wasn't. No. Let's <laughs> <laughs> clear Sorry. up another confusion. I was Sorry. nearly born. Exactly. <laughs> but. Um, you know that was one of those comparisons. I know it was between Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus, two of the greats of the game. Um, so Jack's always, I know Tom won it, but Jack's always, or well, his performance is always talked about in that. Is that is this going to be uh, thought about along the same lines? It should be. I mean, for me, this was the best final pairing performance on the Sunday of a major championship that I can remember watching. I mean, I'm only 27, so. I can't go that far back, but for me, yeah, can you name anyone that even came close to that? I mean, the final group shot 14 under, mm. dropped two shots, finished 11 and 14 sh shots clear of the third place finisher. Yeah. Uh, I think even in the Jewel of the Sun, I think that probably edges the Jewel in the Sun in terms of pure statistics. Um, so while it wasn't, I wouldn't say a vintage open, because for me, I, I love it when there's about 10 people in contention on the bat on Sunday. I know that happens rarely. Uh, it was the greatest performance that I can remember from a final pairing. Yeah, I think in, in recent times, um, particularly, I can't think of anything, any either. How one of those haven't, you know, how, I think when Mickelson sits, sits on his jet or wherever he's currently, he, he won't quite believe that he hasn't won 
um, today. He hasn't got the clout of drugs sitting next to him uh, in, in his plane. He's got those memories from 2013. So. The last yeah. few I can remember, um, just to sort of add context, I suppose, um, I think obviously Phil and Justin Rose had a good battle, but they were in different groups, so you didn't quite have that toe-to-toe atmosphere that makes days like today so great. So that's the, that's the uh, USA. Marion, uh, yeah. yeah. Nicholson actually played pretty ropey golf that he day. Did, he just hold, was, he hold out on the 10th for an eagle. It was sort of gritty, yeah, wasn't it? It was, it was. And the other one I remember is, um, as being a bit ding-dong for while it lasted was when Bubba and Spieth were going at it at the Masters when Bubba won his second Masters um, a few years ago as well. That was quite a ding-dong battle for the first sort of, you know, sort of 12, 13 mm. holes before Bubba eventually sort of steer clear so um, but going back to your original question Tom um, I think it does have to go down to one of the greats the only thing for me that was disappointing was the weather affected it so much I think if they'd all had really nice conditions on one day and really bad conditions on another day then that would have been perfect but the fact that they had sort of good and bad on both days meant that some people like Rory um, you know if Rory had the right side of the draw he could have won by 10 in theory mm-hmm. um, so that's the only thing I mean that's what makes Opens great for lots of people um, but I think Phil touched on this in his press conference um, after his opening 63 you know what everyone wants is a fair tournament and sometimes that sort of weather setup can just make things a little bit difficult but um, in terms of just sort of raw golf I mean you're not going to see much better than a 63 and a 65 in a final round of a major yeah and I know the people, especially the first two days, did feel that the, the Stenson and Mickelson did obviously get the best side of the draw. I don't think there's any doubting about that. Um, you know, there was the, the, the conditions on Friday afternoon were utterly horrendous. I was very happy to be in the media centre that at that point because the rain was coming in sideways. Um, and when uh, Roy McIlroy and Bubba Watson can't hit can't reach the green of a 440 yard par 4 whatever it was um it, it's uh, it, it shows how how tough that was so there's no doubt about that but i think what i say is that they weren't the Stenson and Mixon weren't the only ones who got the the best side of the draw um and they, they finished the, you know they finished you know what, these uh, themselves out over the course of a career don't they you know you would think that some of the guys here on the wrong side of the draw here will get on the right side of the draw going forward yeah. so Everyone knows that golf's unpredictable, it tends to even itself out. I don't think we should dwell on that too much because no, yeah. there were loads of other people who could, in theory, have done what Stenson and Milkson did, and they didn't. Yeah, and you need to take the opportunities when they're uh, presented to you, but whether it's good luck with weather or or, or whatever, or lucky bounce. So, um, no, no, I, I'd go. I, th- I is it, can anyone think of a, a, a major, any major? The only only golf tournament I can think of recently where. I've been uh, quite so excited about anything was uh, the Ryder Cup when uh, Europe came back, the Miracle of Medina, uh, when that when there were so many things happening uh, and so many things were going the way of, of of Europe. There was some cracking golf in that in that in that period as, as well. There was also some pretty ropey golf as well, but that was about as exciting. I enjoyed the tussle at Chambers Bay between Grace Johnson and Spieth. Mm. Um, because it was on a quirky course and there was three sort of pretty good golfers going at it and it was very very tight for a very long portion of the day so I did enjoy that tournament but I don't think it quite has the um, the sort of the history and the lure of the Open I don't think those guys no disrespect to them are not quite the stature of sort of Mickelson and Stenson um, although obviously Spieth has gone on to, to reach that and now funny enough so has Johnson but at the time neither were um, but it's very difficult isn't it I think Medina is obviously the one that will long live in the memory for many golfers but 
you know, in history, sort of looks back on this, maybe this will mm. be up there as well. Uh, uh, Nick, just put his hand up there, just everybody. Nick, please do go on. Uh, for 2011 Masters, I look back on as being a, a phenomenal tournament full of excitement. I think there was about 12 players in with a shout on the back nine, including Tiger, I think Bovan Pelt eagled both 13 and 15. When Schwartzel eventually ran away with it in the end, but there was a time when people were reaching the turn and there was about 12 players in it, as I say, and that was just phenomenal viewing. And yeah. I think this ranks up there with that and Medina for me. Yeah, I was in a bar when Tiger um, hit the front, which he did very short. The Eagle while. 15. Yeah, I was in a bar in America, in San Francisco, and there's a lot of high-fiving going on, so I remember that. Any whooping? A, a bit of whooping as well. I had a horrendous hangover, but that's another story. Um, no, I, yes, I think we've we've covered that that off nicely. So, um, I think one thing I want to say, the last thing from the guy from us four, are is Troon. Uh, so when me and Nick have been doing a couple of Facebook lives, and then we, how's Troon gone down for us? We've we've been here. Me and Nick have been here all week. You, uh, uh, Dave and Jake have been here since Wednesday. Um, Troon, I think not a lot of people knew about the course or the area, perhaps as well as other open venues um, is this something that we say oh you know I cannot wait for the, for the next open here um, what what do you guys think uh, I'll start as the lack of uh, bodies thrown mm-hmm. forward to that one um, I it's my first open so I, I haven't got a lot to compare it to however I have been to some of the other places and I can say that I was pleasantly surprised by Troon um, doesn't sort of strike you as the hot spot for um, culture and nightlife but there was a lot going on some... <laughs> we've, we've got to get out of here still mm. <laughs> <laughs> probably more to do with our choices of where we ended up well there, yeah, there, is, yeah. that, there is that as I'm well sure but, um, I think what, what, what I think is if I run through the boxes of what's important in terms of how easy it was to get to from the airports and the main roads that's ticked it was you know half an hour from Glasgow very easy access um, was there sort of good beer, cheap beer, um, places to go that weren't too crowded. You're looking a lot, you really are giving a window into your life here at the moment. You've got <laughs> ease of travel and cheap beer. Jake, have we, anything, on, anything on the golf at all? Yeah, well, touching, you know, I mean, Trina's a golf course. There was um, very good spectator sort of set up, lots of grandstands with good views, um, lots of sort of mounding and stuff to stand on so you could see easily. A good mix of holes, sort of par fives and short par threes, obviously the stamp, but then also some long par threes like um, 17. So I think that there's so much here to like and um, I would certainly recommend anybody in 10 years time or whenever they next get it to, to come up and have a visit and, you know, spend at least a weekend here. Yeah, and I, I, and I think the course, um, it's, it's ranked lowest of the open venues on our top 100 rankings. And I think, so I was... I was interested to see what it's going to be like. And there's no... The poster stamp, obviously, does, is the standout hole. It's different. It's quirky. It's also it's just a cracking hole, isn't it? There's no huge, beautiful, scenic views like uh, like Turnbury. Uh, and maybe it doesn't have the most well-known holes like St Andrews. But I just thought the whole package of the course was really good, really de- really designed well. And it just seemed like a, f- a fair test of, of golf. Um when you look at the US Open and the silly, yes I said it, the silly 300 yard par 3 where golfers cannot reach this green, to have a 100 yard green where the players are having birdies and bogeys, I thought was was really refreshing, so I, I think that will really help. Um, anything else that anyone wants to uh, say yeah, about yeah. Troon? 
Well, I think from a spectator point of view, um, this is only my second open, but um, I don't know, spectators numbers wise, it was down slightly on the last time it was uh, here in Troon. So I think it was 173,000 total. Uh, this year, yeah. This year, down from 176, I think the last two times they've had it. But it got, you know, following the, the final group today, obviously was uh, very crowded. That's what everyone wanted to see. It was the real competition. But on the other days, I mean, you could, you could easily access holes you, you could get I mean it wasn't it felt possibly that uh, num numbers might be just slightly disappointing but I don't think that was the case I think it was just a, a good accessible course with lots of places to see so spectators were spread around lots of people lots of good groups to watch and I think you know apart from the adverse weather at times I think everyone who came here would have had a thoroughly good time so mm. yes yep here, here I I echo all that and I love the fact that the first six holes or so present a lot of really good birdie opportunities so it's fun to see guys go out make a score and then try and hold on as they mm. attempt to par 10 and 11 which turned out to be fascinating to watch so agree with all those comments I've thoroughly enjoyed it my fourth open and I would possibly say it was my favourite so far oh, and when you, you bear in mind that I've been to, to Muirfield well you did um, say you did say earlier it was the best open ever in your lifetime so perhaps it's not a the whole, pa the whole package this week's been been really terrific. I've had a great time. Good, good, good. So the last thing I want to talk about... I, did I say last I thing? I thought that was the last thing. I did, but I just about. Thought, about, I thought about something else. So okay. I, mean, I think it's quite important. Spontaneous. I know. Well, the th every now and then, I think it's the Stellar's kicked in. Um, I mean the Fizzy Amber uh, uh, Nectar. I can say it now. Um, Sky Sports have taken over the TV coverage this week. And... This has been quite. Look at Nick has been is clearing his throat for a rant. Uh, this has been um, a big subject for a lot of golfers out there and television viewers that they can't get uh, the free viewing of um, the Open Championship from Thursday to Sunday. Although there are highlights and stuff like that. How do, how do we think that Sky have done this week? And how do you think the public have taken to them or not? Come on, Nick, you can start. Brilliant job all round, and very well. I would say would be my succinct answer to those two questions. I think they innovated. I mean, they brought the whole team here. They were active on social media, on video. Some of their cameras in the bunkers and the camera going up along the postage stamp was awesome. What they were doing on the range was fantastic. I think from every angle, they did a terrific job. And I think they should be lauded for that because I was quite a, a vocal advocate of it going to Sky and I think they vindicated that. Um, but I was someone who was all for it going to Sky in the first place. So perhaps someone who wasn't would be interesting to hear their views, but I think they did a phenomenal job. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't put myself quite as firmly in that camp as, as Nick because, you know, free-to-air TV, I think, is, is the future of the game or, you know, not the future of the game anymore, but uh, that's opens it up to so many more people who just casual golf watchers so it, it it's a massive shame in that uh, in that regard but Sky were given the opportunity and I think they, they grasped it it was uh, you know they devoted all they could to it a whole channel on for was it five days did they have they had a full day before you know full, yeah, full day on Wednesday yeah. and yeah every angle was covered and yeah I think they did a great job Jake not a whole lot to add to that but um what I will say is it'll be interesting to see when the numbers come out. Um, that was going to be my point, Jake. So, um, you know, to see that, yeah, you know, undoubtedly Sky did a, a, an incredible job. I loved the sort of the pro trace split image where you've got to see the down the line 
sort of pro tracer um but then you also got to see the graphic on the side that showed you where the ball was landing yeah. um there was lots of other sort of little cool bits i know nick doherty done a lot of stuff on the range with the players talking about technique which was very insightful for sort of club members that want to practice and learn some new shots um so you can't fault the coverage however does great coverage just even you know let's say 10 out of 10 coverage does that make up for a loss of say um you know a million viewers or two million viewers or whatever whatever the number comes out to be because I'm, I'm well very definitely it's going to be less than it was with the bbc so that's a question that is going to be difficult to answer until we have i suppose long-term sort of data to look at yeah and i think that's fair points i always really um being a cricketer of course they will know i always remember that when the england won the 2005 ashes when it was on terrestrial television i think the viewing was something like 20 million and then uh, eight years later, I think when they they next won the Ashes, I think the viewing figures were down to under a million. So it would be a huge shame if this incredible tournament that we witnessed this week has unfortunately missed out on some television. But that's hearsay, and we won't yeah. know that. Yeah, let's uh, let's yeah. yeah let's wait I don't think there's any. We don't know. Yeah, Sky did a great job. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that they've done a fantastic job. Absolutely, and. Um, um, I think the stuff on the range was brilliant. Getting the the players in whilst they're having their practice round, I think it was a, a that was a genius idea. So um, we'll wait to see on that, and I'm sure we will also get a lot of uh, letters from readers. I think we already have had a few, both positive and negative about about the sky stuff. Um, so if anybody out there does have any comments, then do email in to Golf Monthly, Golf Monthly at timeinc com. Uh, or go to our social media channels, which is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that. Uh, we have had a beer each. We've had a long week. We're all a bit knackered, but it's been a very fun, fun time. Thanks ever so much for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>